Hi, we're the Rices. We've been married for 12 years. We have six kids from the ages of nine to zero, and we're full of passion to raise a household that serves and honors the Lord. And we want to encourage others to do the same. Hello, and welcome back to the Raising Rices podcast. We hope that these discussions are always encouraging to you as a married couple or as parents, that it gives you a a boost and a different way to think about something in a way that brings peace and hope and joy in your walk with the Lord. So this is our discussion on generational faith, or maybe a more proper doctrinal title would be an idea like covenant succession or expectant redemption when we're talking about our kids. So first of all, we want to start off this podcast uh, encouraging others and in a really grateful position because both Darren and I had parents who had great faith and also grandparents before them as well. It is so exciting to see kind of the generational legacy that is left by the people that came before us. And it gives us encouragement and hope for leaving one to our our kids. And if you're listening today and you have that, let us just re- celebrate and rejoice together. If you are listening and you did not have that example set before you, do not be ashamed. Do not be discouraged because you can be the game changer. Yeah, I heard that generation that didn't have that example before them be referred to as like an Abraham generation. Yeah. A a generation that starts a legacy for their family to come. And, And that's one of our main convictions around this topic is that the faith of those who go before you in your family has an incredible impact, especially men, especially you, fathers. Your example and leadership in faith has a huge impact on your children. And we believe that as you teach and disciple your children, that we should expectantly hope that they too will be saved. And sadly, along with the same thing though, is if you do not have a strong legacy of faith that you are leaving behind, that also equally plays a part in your children's um, growing up. And it is, it's impactful. Children look up to the example that is given to them. And so if it's an over, overly religious example without apparent flaw, they see the hypocrisy in that. But if it's a true and genuine faith, that has a lasting impact. And we really believe uh, in, in another conviction that God uses, obviously, his sovereign election. But also as a means of ordinary grace, he places his elect into homes and circumstances where they grow up. And so while we know that God chooses whom he saves, that he has placed your kids in your home as a means of leading them to salvation through your covenant nurture, through your Christian upraising of your kids. Now, let's be clear because doctrinally we get a little 
on the line here. This is not to be confused with a birthright or a presumption that our children will be saved simply because they're in a Christian home. Yeah, we've heard that, um, unfortunately, growing up, is that um, some verses taken out of context, um, like if you teach them, they will return to the faith. And unfortunately, that is not something that you can say uh, assuredly, because, right, God is the one who elects. Right. It's a, it's a general truth of the Proverbs. Right. But it's not necessarily a promise. Yes. So while we should, as parents, do everything that we can for the glory of God, present our kids with salvation message, with doctrinal truth, with the Holy Scripture, we are all doing this to aid in their sanctification walk, right? But we are not the Holy Spirit. We are not the saver of our children. Right. Yeah. And so please know this, like our children are not saved by the faith of their parents. They're not saved by being members of the church. They're not saved by the faith of the church. They're not saved by where they're raised or what circumstance they're raised in. They're saved only by grace alone through faith alone, right? In, in their own and personal faith. But what we're trying to say is that we believe God puts children into Christian homes so that they will be raised in the faith and that we should, as parents, not expect them to walk away and then have to figure it out on their own, but that we should expect them to grow up with a faith that develops into their own faith. We should expect them and anticipatingly look forward to their salvation. Why do we start like this? Why do we start telling you our conviction, telling you all the background, trying to make sure that you understand is because we are going to move into what we feel like the character development that happens as we are passionately presenting the gospel to our kids continuously. We want to make sure that you know that we are going to encourage this by a means of, but that doesn't, excuse me, that doesn't mean that they will be saved, but that we are going to stand in faith that God has given us the jurisdiction, the ambassador over our children, and that we are going to walk in that truth regardless of the outcome because the Lord holds our children because they are his. Yeah, you really brought that together. We, We take all of this so seriously because we take it seriously. We say this to say, As a parent, your jurisdiction is your kids' discipleship. Your jurisdiction is leading your children in the ways of the Lord. And so rather than a a hands-up or hands-off approach, wanting them to have the opportunity to figure it out on their own and expecting them to have a, a wayward journey to get there, we take very seriously our role as parents and we want to encourage you to take very seriously your role as a parent in these characteristics that we're going to talk about here. And the first one is faithfulness. It takes faithfulness as a parent to teach and train your kids day in and day out. And in that, you also teach them what faithfulness looks like. 
And we all can say yes and amen to this because we can look at other people and say they have had a faithful life. And we can look at our own hearts and see where we have chosen to be faithful and where we have chosen not to be. We can also say with a surety that we have seen people that live a hypocritical Christian life and that leaves a, t a testimony of its own. So faithfulness plays such a huge role in the teaching and the growing in both for us and for our kids. Huge, huge deal. The next character trait that is really important that we want to make sure that we address and that we walk by and that we live in is discipleship. And you could even blend these together and say faithful discipleship. Yeah. <laughs> that it is so important that we understand that it is our job to mold and shape and develop the heart and soul of our children. That we've talked about this before. When we see sin in their life, it is our job to point it out and correct it and discipline it and help them to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to grow their faith and to be an example of growing our own faith in front of them so that we can raise them up in the way of the Lord. And you know what, like talking about sin, it, it means so much to us to be able to point out the sin in our children's lives, not because we enjoy it, you know, actually we hate it, but we are grateful for it because when they see their sin, then they see their need for a savior, right? They go hand in hand. Unfortunately, in the world that we live in, um, you can just be a good person and go to heaven. Well, as I know, I mean, it's to be comical because we have a one-year-old and we see that actually we are born into sin. Oh, yes. Right? We, Most we definitely. see the, you know, selfishness. We, we see that even from a child. Yeah, the desire for instant gratification. Yes. The desire for what you want. The, the temper tantrums even. Yes. And it is such a key thing to, to know and understand that as parents, we do not have a hands-off role in the growing up and the developing of our kids, but it is a hands-on, intentional role that we are responsible for. And in Deuteronomy, it lays it out for us that we are to do this while you walk, when you eat, when you sleep, when you do X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. Like all the time, this is the attitude, the position, the jurisdiction of our role as parent to child. It also says in Deuteronomy that the student will become like the teacher. And again, we already covered that, that this is not a guarantee to salvation. We are not the Savior. We are not the Holy Spirit. But your children are being discipled by someone. Is it you or is it the world? Yeah, and it's not its not a conversation to make you feel guilty. Oh, no. And it's not a conversation to uh, say that you should feel guilty if your child chooses at some point not to walk with the Lord or to stray from their faith. But it is a conversation that should weigh heavily on our hearts as parents to come before the Lord and to come to the Lord in prayer 
and to introspectively look at our hearts and our minds and our lives and say, are we doing what we are called to do? Are we doing it with our whole heart? Are we doing it as unto the Lord? And let me tell you, those are convicting questions that we can be asking ourselves at the end of our day or at the beginning of our day or when we realize that we are struggling with our attitude towards our our role and our responsibilities. So take these things seriously as we think about them so that it can prompt and encourage you to live by faith and to to walk in, in the hope and the power that comes from Jesus only. Yeah, you know, we started these podcasts as an encouragement to parents, as a shot in the arm to get them to be ready to do the great race that we have as parents. But the Lord works in mysterious ways. And every time we do one of these podcasts, it's more like we're giving giving ourselves a shot in the arm, right? <laughs> to give ourselves a, a boost of encouragement to continue on doing what is good and what is right in the eyes of the Lord and for the eternal purpose, the eternal glory, God willing for our children. And that brings us to the next character quality that I think is so important is that it helps develop a prayerful life for us because of our great love for our children. We find ourselves on our knees in prayer for the salvation of our children far more than any other prayer because of that, like I said, eternal significance that it just increases our prayer life. And and that would be an encouragement to parents as it is to myself. I always say, ask me how I know that if you get on your knees before the Lord praying that you can do rightly by him to encourage your children to salvation, to show them the gospel, to teach them of the goodness and truth and grace given to us by our Lord and Savior. Yeah, such an important point. If there's anywhere that we fight the most if there's anywhere that the most time should be spent it's before the lord it's it's pleading for his grace and his mercy and his way to be had in our lives and in the lives of our kids but before we continue on we want to interrupt with a brief message Hello, we want to interrupt this podcast today to let you know that it is brought to you by heritage home family farm a Christian family seeking to bring a legacy of flavors to your table. This family is passionate about building the family culture and making homemade with ease. They have a series of spices, loose leaf teas, and baking mixes available to make delicious, clean, and easy homemade food at your table and in your kitchen a possibility in today's busy world. Find out more at heritagehomefamilyfarm.com. Thank you so much. The next character trait that we want to bring to your attention here is really one that we have found to be incredibly fruitful mm-hmm. in the life of our family, and that is catechizing. Yes, you may have heard of catechisms, right? It's a question and answer <coughs> response. 
And it's a question that you may hear. It's a question that you may be internally wondering about. It's a question of the foundation of our belief. And the children specifically go through catechism and they learn this question and then they memorize the answer to the question. A lot of people, when I tell them that we do catechism um, within our school day, they'll mention things like, isn't that a Catholic thing? Well, it is an old school thing, yeah. right? It's like... I mean, that's been around for a really long time. But even the Puritans, when they came to the United States... Their children working through a catechism was a major part of their faith and of just the life of their, their home and education, all of it together. And we've talked about before on this podcast the importance of building truth in our children. It is our role to indoctrinate them, <laughs> if you want to use a negative word. It is our role to catechize them in the truth, to train them in the truth so that as they have questions and as the world around them presents questions, that they know the biblical answer, that they know the place to start from when they're providing an answer or when they're seeking out an answer. It's such an important faith building tool that builds their faith and also develops a well-rounded sense of doctrine. I think there's so many places in the, the world today and even in the church today at times where the sensibilities of the world distract or lead astray the doctrines of the church and the doctrines of the Bible. And I think a lot of it is relatively innocent. Like people don't know what the Bible says and so they get persuaded and distracted by some side argument. And if you've developed a strong catechism of who God made, man and woman in his own image, then it, it builds that doctrinal sense of knowledge to know, oh, that's right and something else is wrong. Yeah, like the kids and I are just going through um, – a, a few catechisms right now about Jesus and um, which is so timely because it, we are in the Advent season right now. But um, some examples just to give you a mindset, if you haven't done catechisms, if you haven't heard about catechisms before would be like, well, why did the savior have to be fully human? And then another question would be like, well, why does the savior have to be fully God? Um, does Christ, die for all of our sins or just as the first Adam came and we all fell victim to sin are we all saved by the second Adam by Christ uh, so those are some questions and that I mean even as adults right right we can like kind of like okay so but why did he have to be human oh but he has to be fully human and, and fully God and you kind of have to wrestle with those a little bit and as they are young children you teach them the answer but then as they grow you discover that while you are equipping yourself with the Bible with study that you kind of now can apply the truth that you learned to scripture um, it's a very classical model and catechism is a very classical thing, right? Yeah. It's been around for a while. You memorize and then you apply. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about this and a lot about this in some personal conversations with friends and pastors and elders where 
we should not be negating or separating ourselves from the past five or 600 years of good and solid church history of faithful men studying and preaching the Bible. We, we should not negate that. And so that I think is part of what you're saying is if there's so much good work in systematic theology brought together by faithful leaders in the church before us, then we should take those things into account as we study. Now, should we ever hold some catechism higher than scripture itself? Of course not. But we should take the wisdom that comes from those and use that wisdom to help us to interpret scripture if we have a difficulty with a passage. Because we know that many of those resources have put in good and solid work making sure that they bring all of scripture together in unity and that they work out the places where scripture may seem to contradict itself, but does not. Yeah, we were just uh, memorizing the Apostles' Creed and my son was like, where is this in the Bible? And yeah. I was like, oh, well, actually, the Apostles' Creed is not written out as it is we, how we are memorizing it within the Bible, but it is all the foundational truths, kind of like when we say the Pledge of Allegiance, right? We are stating our position. We are stating what we believe, but the Pledge of Allegiance is also not found in the Bible. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and so it's, it's these summaries of Christian doctrinal positions that are important to know and important that we're teaching our kids as they grow up. All right, let's enter into some challenges. Obviously, with this position of generational faith, there are going to be challenges. There's challenges internally with our own family units, and there's challenges with our external, our, our longer legacy of a family. So let's kind of dive into some of those. Yeah, I mean, I think the first one is a tough one, and I don't want to speak um, negatively of the the church in general, but we do have a history, a recent history of the church in America where the parents have abdicated some of their responsibility to the church. And like we talked about before, it is our role to disciple, to be the primary disciplers of our children. And so when we abdicate that responsibility to the church, then we've we've given up what our role should be and sometimes i've seen then uh that be used to say oh well they made their own decision speaking of the children they made their own decision to walk away from the faith and i would just challenge that there should be some self-reflection as parents to make sure that we are in a position to say that we have done all that we could do, all that we know to do, and that we honestly have put in a full and good effort unto the Lord to disciple our kids towards their salvation. But I think what's important when we think about this is we are taking examples and stories from um, sad stories from people that we've met that children have walked away 
from the Lord. And their response to deal with that grief would be to say, well, maybe they weren't elected or, you know, maybe the, they just chose their own way. And while that's true, we're all responsible for our own lives. We, again, have been given this amazing opportunity to become ambassadors for our children. And that doesn't just change when they're 18, but that we should, as we talked about, be faithful, be discipling, be prayerful, teaching our children, because they will always be our children. It just may change in forms of how they are taught. But since I am under the understanding that the people listening to this podcast right now are in the trenches with us as far as our parenting alongside us right now, and we want to be encouraging you and encouraging us that we should take these examples that we are hearing from others, and instead of wallowing, although we should um, grieve with others when they grieve, but we should take these as lessons for what we should be encouraged in for to do with our own families right now. And Darren kind of talked a little bit about the American church and how everything is kind of segregated. You know, you drop off your kids or you um, give the responsibility of the teaching and the growing and the discipling to others. And um, I would just say, I would, as Darren has said, just really have a heart reflection of, am I being the ambassador that Christ has designed me to be for my children? Am I fulfilling to the glory of God this amazing role that he has given me? And if you can ask yourself and do some inner self-reflection and answer yes, then I would encourage you to go back to prayer. Because yep. I even feel like I, I asked myself that and I asked myself that and I asked myself that and not in a shameful, not in a guilt driven way, but in an insp inspired encouragement to what can I do more right. for God's glory, not for my own, but for God. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the, the conversation that we have when it's in regards to our own salvation. Like, is it fully a work of God? Yes. He brings us to life and gives us hearts of flesh and, and gives us grace through faith. And the faith also is a gift from God. But yet we have this responsibility of obedience. And it's the same way when we're having this conversation about our kids. Is it fully God who saves our children? Absolutely. But should we be like Abraham and plead for the the city, plead for the hearts of our children? Yes, we should. And should we do all that we can do in obedience to God for his glory? Yes, we should. And so it, it is it is all of these things together. And I guess our challenge to you as parents is to not um, become fatalists in your doctrine. Don't throw up your hands and say, I've done all I can do and it is not my fault. But to know and understand that by the strength of God, you press into and obey him in everything that you can do and that you still then in that rest, in this awesome peace to know that it's all in his hands. And I know that's like, confusing because it is both of these things together but i just want to caution us not to be fatalists and i think sometimes 
at least in the church culture that we've seen growing up, sometimes that can be the trend. Yeah, and along with that, and along with what we're saying, just knowing that every day his mercies are new, mm-hmm. right? And every day he gives us an opportunity to share his goodness and his grace to ourselves and to our children. <laughs> And I just pray that for myself and for anyone listening, that we may remember that the grace that is given to us is given to our children, but not Mm -hmm. to take that in a complacent way, to work hard, never to miss an opportunity or a day to share that with our kids. Are we going to? Of course, (laughs) of course, we're human. But as we set out on a trajectory of intentionality, I think that it reminds me of actually my freshman basketball coach. I know, ironic, right? <laughs> and he's a believer. Praise <laughs> praise God for that, that he played such a significant role. Um, but he would say, you are going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. And isn't that the darnest truth? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that every time we decide not to be intentional, every time that we decide not to engage, every time that we are just complacent, we're missing opportunities. But when we try to push in, when we work to uh, rely on the Lord and in his wisdom, those shots are the ones that count. Yeah. And that really leads into the next challenge really well. And that is that we live in a culture that takes time every day to teach and preach to our kids falsehoods. Mm-hmm. And we need to take the time to teach our kids the truth of the Bible and not miss those opportunities. It is so paramount. We've said before, there's no neutrality. There, there's no neutrality in education, in the perspective and the ways of people, bosses, classmates, coworkers. Everybody comes from a position, and we need to make sure we are not neglecting our responsibility and our privilege to teach our kids the truth. All right, this last challenge is quite a challenge, um, and it probably um, deserves its own podcast in itself. Mm -hmm. But um, this delicate balance about when your children are saved or not, right? Like... Um, we can see, we as parents, we look for fruit in our children's lives as proof of um, salvation. Yeah, of the Lord's work in their heart. Right. Or we have found that people have, you know, our children have said, I am saved or I believe in Christ or, um, but maybe their actions don't reflect that. And it's this really delicate balance where I would just um, as a mother, encourage that when we are talking to our kids about faith and about walking in faith, that I would encourage it as a verb. Um, and I would say that, you know, th- there's this um, expression when we were growing up, and it might still be being used right now, about invite Jesus into your heart. And um, while I love the um, idea behind, you know, like partnering or um, in- making a 
moment, right? Like a salvation moment. I think that as sometimes when we don't explain that faith is a doing faith too, it's not that we're saved by works, but that out of the outpouring of our salvation, we walk out those works. Um, yeah, if, faith without works is dead, right? right. And so the, the, that's really, I think, the idea you're getting to is that if we try to get our super young kids to verbalize faith, but there's not works that go alongside it. We shouldn't be like falsely promising our little littles somehow that they're saved, but that we should just continue to disciple them and teach them and lead them to salvation. And we should explain to our children and even through our own salvation journey that it is progressive right Mm -hmm. that they may be in the milk stage right now but they are moving into the meat stage right Right. they're they're going to be growing in their faith i think it's important especially if i'm if we're talking to people right now with young children who desire for them to be saved and they are um, the parents are Christians too. This is fabulous news. This is the way that we can see, you know, dedication to discipleship and faithfulness, but that we need to make sure that we remember for our kids too, that it's progressive and it's built upon it. Once your child is, says that they have come to faith, once your child has been baptized, once your child has done this, that doesn't say that your job is done, right? right? As parents, but we still can continue to build. We still continue to teach. We still continue to remind them that your faith is a waking up every morning, walking out that faith, trusting and obedience and resting in the promise that God has for you. And if we remind our kids these things, that it's by, by Christ alone that we are saved through faith, Right. The five solas. If we remind and we preach those things continually, then I pray that our kids will know that they are saved through Christ alone and not of the works so that no one may boast, but that they will have the assurity of faith as they are being built up in the admonition of the Lord. Yeah. And one thing that goes along with that, like I kind of mentioned not over promising like a a certain prayer and and promising salvation to your super little kids. But the flip side of that is also in that discipling and growing and, and building of their faith as they grow up, we shouldn't disciple doubt into our kids. We should not create a place where they're constantly wondering if, if they really have faith or if their faith is really real or if they or if are actually saved yeah. at all, because that, because we should have assurance right. in our faith. That is one thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion that sets biblical salvation apart from anything else is that we know that if we have faith in Christ, we will be saved. It's really, I love, um, I have a sweet friend who has, um, uh, unbelieving spouse and it, my children know this couple and, um, we have talked about how 
one couple can be in a church service and hear two completely different things, right? Mm -hmm. One receives the truth being spoken and says yes and amen to that. And one has a guard up and is skeptical and doesn't understand. And how can the same people hearing the same message interpret it completely different? Well, that's faith. Yeah, what a great example of what it means to be, to have faith, to have faith that is shown by works, right? And like... One conversation I've heard, too, is that if the Bible is convicting to you, then that's a good sign that the Holy Spirit's at work in your life. Like, even as a believer for many, many years, reading scripture should be convicting. Like we've said on this podcast tonight, reading and and preparing and teaching these podcasts is convicting to us because it regrounds us in the truth of who God is and who we are and what our role is. And we can't ignore those things. Yeah. Talk to your kids about that, right? Talk to your kids about when people say falsehoods and they believe that it's true. Well, pray for them because they clearly do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them, mm-hmm. right? And when your kids have doubts and they have questions, don't don't discourage them. Encourage them to work through those questions by turning them to Scripture, by talking through what they are dealing with. Don't um, allow doubt to create unbelief. Right. Right. But uh, allow doubt to encourage biblical study. Yeah, absolutely. Because the word of the Lord does not return void. Amen. So as a summary, here's, I think, what we want you guys to take away. We need to, as parents, faithfully display and teach the ordinary means of grace, the, the good things that God has given to us through public teaching of the word, through prayer, through singing, singing praise and scripture to the Lord, and through seeing the word, specifically the ordinances of the church, baptism and communion. We need to do all of those things with our children, with the expectation and the biblical hope that they would in fact be brought to life and given this great gift of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope that this has been an encouraging discussion to you. Please, if you have any questions or any points of clarification that you have, reach out to us on our social medias. Marissa is at Raising Rices. I'm at Lead Your Family. We would love to have a further conversation with you. Thank you so much. See you next week. 